Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, film animals. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. Today is a very special episode because we're returning to the realm of animated movies with my good friend uh, and a wonderful actor, Andrew Ajaka, is joining us to talk about the 2011 Gore Verbinski Johnny Depp animated film, Rango. Oh yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> so excited, dude. I love this movie. <laughs> you picked a great uh, a great time to do this um, because we just started recently doing more animated films on the show. Um, as I've mentioned before, we are doing a um, big series leading up to um, the release of a short film that all of us have made in- entitled Don't Be a Stranger. Today we have another actor, Andrew, you are um, joining us. And uh, well, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your day um, to talk. Dude, and- of course. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> anybody who gives me the chance to talk about Rango is mm-hmm. doing me a favor. <laughs> this is such such an interesting movie, and I don't want to get into it just yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna stall for a little bit, as a good podcast host should know how to do. <laughs> I want to ask first what your relationship is to movies, and do animated movies stand out among the rest to you? Like, what is your what is your opinion on just watching movies? Like, is it your chosen medium? Like, how do you take in movies, and where does animated film where do animated films fit into that love for you? That's a that's a good question. I've always had a weird relationship with movies. Um, I like my first relationship to like the arts was theater, but like like live theater. And so when I was a kid and wanted to be pretentious and like a theater artist, I was like, ah, the film doesn't capture life the same way that the live theater does, which was stupid. I love movies now. I promise. Um, I was just a baby. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Frankly, I love theater too. Obviously, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Um, but my parents are also like both like immigrants and aren't the best at like English. So animated movies were a really big thing in my house when I was a kid because they would understand them from all of like the dynamic storytelling and like the animation. And I would just be able to like learn English through like Disney movies and like, like old, like one-on-one Dalmatians, all that stuff was like the bread and butter for me as a kid. Do you just call it 101 Dalmatians? Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I did, and I stand by it. <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. That's really funny. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of animated movies. I've said on the show before ever since. I was I was the same way. Grew, grew up with a ton of animated movies. Um, and Because they, they're always so easy, I think, for kids to really yeah. get attached to. But they're also... You know, as you grow up, you, can, you do realize like how a lot of them are... Some of them are obviously like tailored towards children and are not... Um, they don't age well past, you know, the age of like 10. Mm -hmm. Some of them you go back to and they're obviously really charming. A lot of the Disney films have, you know, aged fantastically. Beauty and the Beast being one of my favorites. All of Pixar's um, filmography Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. you know, basically instant classics um, at this point, or at least most of them are. But Rango is an interesting, is an interesting one because it was released by Paramount and it wasn't, it was competing with, you know, DreamWorks and Blue Sky and Disney and Pixar. It wasn't, you know, Paramount is not necessarily known for their animated films. They're very much, you know, 
you know, the MCU started at Paramount. Um, yeah. The, the Godfather films, you know, Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby. Um, we'll talk more about Chinatown in a little bit. Um, but, you know, this isn't a hallmark of a certain studio. This is just kind of a very rare oddity in their mm-hmm. um, their releases of, you know, of the 2010s. And so I want to know, where did you first come across this? Did you see it in theaters or how did Rango come into your life? Ah, dude. Um, So my answer to that question is twofold. One is like, I don't like really remember the first time I watched Rango, which to me means I didn't watch Rango the first time I watched Rango. I like saw it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think like the first time I like, existed with our, our good friend Rango and really like let the movie fill me was actually last year, funnily enough. And since then I've watched the movie like 14 times. Don't judge mm-hmm. me. Wow. Uh, but my, my roommate was talking to me and we were just having this like long talk about classism. And <laughs> funnily enough, he, he made a joke about Rango and I was like, are you talking about the fucking lizard movie? He was like, dude, the fucking lizard movie is awesome. And I was like, dude, you're wrong. And then he put it on and I was like, dude, you're right. Are you kidding me? Dude, it's, oh my God. Okay. Got got a stall, got a stall. But um, he was right. He was right. And um, we got really into Rango at my house. And I think I've actually talked to you a little bit about this. Uh, at one point, me... My roommate, Paul Guardiola, my other, my, my ex-roommate now, Jacob Parker, and Paul's little brother all sat around with a full band set up, bass, two guitars, and drums, muted the movie, put on subtitles, and scored the whole thing through a jam for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's absolutely uh, incredible. Dude, we were so gone, like, just, like heavily inebriated and mm-hmm. watching back because we had we had um we had mics set up through the room to like capture the audio so we can mix it but we also just had like a a phone recording us so that we would have like a video um <laughs> and it was so funny to see the shit that we were doing at one point i do not remember this but at one point when they come out of the hole is like this isn't the bank I just start screaming, this ain't the bank. This ain't the bank. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so so you guys you guys were scoring it with original music? You weren't, like, doing music from the movie? No, it was, like, entirely just, like, whatever vibes were being sent to us by, like, the animation in that moment. We would, like, look up, decide, find, like, a motif and just go with it for, like, six minutes. And then remember we were watching a movie and look up and be like, oh, yeah, cool, new section (laughs) and it was just like that oh my god that's amazing there's so many cool movies that you could do that with yeah Um, yeah yeah we want to start a series and start doing it i would watch that that's like and then like just pull out like the good bits and like make a compilation for each one Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of bad bits i'll tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) they can't they can't all be winners you're right you're right um i remember when this movie came out it was the summer of 2011 uh-huh. I did not see it in theaters, regrettably. I do vividly remember, though, constantly seeing it. I remember a friend of mine saw it in theaters and really enjoyed it. But I, I kind of I, I didn't necessarily put it off as if I didn't want to see it. It just wasn't something that I initially gravitated towards as being like, I have to see that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, my friend always told me it's really it's really good. And I was uh, I always put it on the list, you know, one of those things, the watch list just grows and grows and grows and, you know, never yeah. gets any shorter. Oh, yeah. And then finally one <laughs> summer when I was 
say like maybe late high school. I watched it when it was on like Netflix or something like that. It's on Netflix now, actually. That's how I watched it. Um, And uh, there was something about it where I was like, this movie's fucking hysterical. Uh Like, it's so fun. Like, the dialogue is amazing. The whole look and energy of it was really, really good. I love an old West setting. (laughs) Um, And it was, it's really nice to see Johnny Depp actually like really act, you know, (laughs) something again. Uh, but after that, I kind of kept gravitating toward it. I remember I showed it to my brother. My brother really liked it. He showed it to my mom. And I've told people to watch it. And last, so last night watching it was like my fourth or fifth time watching it, maybe. Fire. And it's one of those that's like, you see what they're doing more and more each time. The curtain, mm-hmm. like, you know, pulls over, um, pulls over your eyes less and less each time. And you're like, oh, wow, this is like... I am honestly shocked that this is marketed as a kid. This is a Nickelodeon movie. <laughs> yeah, right? Not at all a kid's movie, though. No. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, that can be a fault. But there's something about this movie that gets better as you grow older. Totally. Because there's totally. So, they pack so many jokes in there, so many jokes that would go right over your head. They put in some good visual gags, too, for kids. Oh, yeah. It's also a very exciting movie, so I don't think anyone watching this would necessarily be bored Mm-mm. i could see how they could be confused but i don't think they would be <laughs> bored um it's just such a wild ride you yeah. know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i was actually doing a little bit of like research about like the creation pro- like process for the movie mm-hmm. and like i got to see some like videos of the the actors like working in a studio with um a bunch of cameras and mics instead of like being like in a booth with like the director they were just like acting out these scenes with props and like set pieces in like a small studio and capturing like the physicality of all of the actors to then translate into the movie, which also I, I guess goes back to what you were talking about with all the energy that is just like, so, so magnetic in this movie. I mean, it makes sense that it's based off of like all of these actors, like inherent physical, like manifestations of these cool characters. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so cool to see Johnny Depp just being like a wacko in yeah. life like doing the rango but like as johnny depp like the veil was re- like taken off and mm-hmm. i was just like dude this is johnny depp because every time i'm like i can't believe this is johnny depp i can't but then yeah. i watched it and i was like dude it's johnny depp <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah people forget you know how good he really is oh yeah um, let's hold that thought for just a second i'm gonna do some quick specs on the movie so we're talking about it. rango directed by gore verbinski um who most people know from the ring remake and the pirates of the caribbean films um and the screenplay by josh logan who's one of the best screenwriters working right now famous for writing um the more recent bond films including um skyfall and you could see a lot of like really great dialogue in this movie. Um, cinematography was done by Roger Deakins, who many claim is the best cinematographer working today. And that's why the movie just looks so good. There's so oh, many yeah. great camera movements. The music's by Hans Zimmer and the music is like insane in this movie. Mm-hmm. They had a budget of $135 million. The budget was running low um, when they got initial funding for it. And then Paramount swooped in and saved them. And that's why it was distributed by Paramount. And, it grossed $245 million. So surprisingly, a very expensive movie to make, but yeah. did end up obviously making um, its budget back. And Johnny Depp is at the 
forefront of this movie. Um, And at this point in his career, he was in a very strange place. This comes in kind of sandwiched between two lower points in his career, I I think. Because he, I mean, he's doing the Pirates movies. He also has, you know, a couple other Tim Burton movies in there, like, um, you know, uh, Corpse Bride and um, uh, Sweeney Todd. But then he kind of goes into a lower point with like public enemies, imaginary mm-hmm. Dr. Parnassus and Alice in Wonderland is the year before this. <laughs> and he's kind of starting to lose a little bit of the depth energy, the stereotype of him putting on a bunch of makeup, hanging with Tim Burton and just doing like a woohoo kind of voice is like, you know, kind of coming in there. Yeah. And then after this is dark shadows and the lone ranger and transcendence all like kind of big duds. But this one was a real high for him, I think. And it it really shows because I think he's having like the time of his life in this movie. Mm -hmm. The amount of energy that he's putting into it, he's not hiding behind a mask. You can tell that it it was a great idea that he um, or that that Verbinski was like, let's have the actors in an actual space as opposed to in a booth. Because you can tell that they have chemistry with one another Mm -hmm. and they are bouncing like their lines that like off of one another it's not totally. like here's a line cut with a line cut with a line cut with a line it's like no they're actually saying like these things in sequence and you know johnny depp he, he basically plays an actor in this movie yeah, you know? he, yeah he's <laughs> basically you know just he's this chameleon who can't really change color but he changes <laughs> no. his changes his persona obviously through the the whole movie yeah um and is you know, grappling with like, who am I? You know, yeah. I'm nobody, you know, um, <laughs> and is doing like this, like crazy gonzo type acting that I don't think we've been able to see since he did like since the nineties when he was doing like fear and loathing in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and those, the earlier burden movies like, you know, um, scissor hands. He has a lot of, a lot of heart in, mm-hmm. but once the, once the Pirates movies came in, then I feel like he kind of became a bit of a caricature. Like, do you have a relationship as an actor? Do you have a relationship with Johnny Depp? Is he like a guy for you or like, how do you, how do you feel about him? I mean, I don't know. I think he's awesome. I've, I've always just like been like, oh, it's Johnny Depp. This is going to be fun mm-hmm. at the very least. It's always like a weight off my shoulders because even if it's bad, it's going to be fun because it's Johnny Depp. Um, but I, I mean, like, him and Pirates of the Caribbean was like when I was a kid was really big for me mm-hmm. as like like my relationship to what acting was like even before I started doing theater because that didn't really start for me till like the end of my high school experience like end of my senior year but uh, when I was a kid I mean I always thought about like what theater was and acting and stuff and I was, I was always like wow he's so cool he, he like changes so much to be Jack Sparrow wow and like i mean i guess i stand by that still uh but yeah i don't know i i I just like in this movie he feels so free Mm -hmm. in this movie he feels like wow so this is the johnny depp that they've all been talking about you know yeah like he gets to play so many different things like he he gets to play dumb Mm -hmm. he gets to play alone he gets to play insecure he's um confident crazy like (laughs) he goes through so many different he has so much range in this movie totally it's really fun to see but the uh, you know not to focus solely on depth because i think the whole cast is dynamite so like and this is a stacked movie 
too. So here, let me just go down. Let me go down the cast really quick. So we got Johnny Depp. We got um, Isla Fisher. We got uh, Abigail Breslin, Ned Beatty, Alfred Molina, Bill Nye, Harry Dean Stan, Ray Winstone, Timothy Oliphant, and Stephen Root. Like mm-hmm. just a murderer's <laughs> row of great actors who oh, yeah. are like still working and all doing like amazing stuff. Um and uh, well, Ned Beatty um, passed away earlier this year, but his performance is like just terrific as the tortoise, yeah. as John is uh, the mayor of dirt is. But everyone is also like clearly having a good time. I mean, Alfred Molina as roadkill doesn't really get to do a whole lot, but everyone else is very much like leaning into the old West stereotype. Like it's very oh, clear yeah. that it's like we are old West characters. We are not animals yeah you know the animals like they put it within an animal skin like this whole movie to kind of make it a little bit more visually appealing and get away with some of the violence and stuff like that but um uh yeah everyone everyone is like i can't believe how stacked this cast is yeah for sure this movie also interestingly enough won the academy award for best animated feature and it was the first non-disney or pixar movie to do it since Happy Feet. Wow. And it was the last one to win until um, Into the Spider-Verse um, for um, in uh, 2019. Word. Do you have any like ideas of why people drift towards this movie? It's like, it's so mature. It's like got a lot of acting. Like it's made for actors. It's made for movie lovers, yeah. especially movie lovers. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why do you think... Well, I guess, like, why do you do you as an actor drift towards it? Like, or you, is it mainly just you as a person? Like, do you find stuff in it as an actor that kind of give you um, that make you excited? Oh, totally. I mean, the entire time I'm watching it, it's like a master class, like it, it, which is so weird for an animated movie, first and foremost, to like be watching it and like taking mental notes for like my performance as an actor or whatever. But just to like see the freedom and to see the relationships and to see the way that they like they all go for it a hundred percent is, is always so filling, but even further than that, like as an actor and as a, as a person, the thing that draws me to this movie is all the heart behind it because like you really feel it with every line of dialogue said with every frame drawn with every part scored. It's just like this movie was such like a, a love letter to, to, to the Midwest, to, to, to all those Western movies, the Western lore or whatever, um, to, to animated movies, to animals, to, to, to new forms of animation, just like to all of these beautiful things. And, and it shows that everybody who came into this project came in, um, with passion and came in to like create the end up the, the, the end product that we all got to see. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just always such a fantastic feeling as an audience member to like feel all that love to feel all that heart Mm. oh yeah couldn't agree more i'll save my overall like arching feeling my overarching uh theory about this movie until a little bit later but for now i think we should just dive right into the critical breakdown Alrighty. this movie opens with a lizard, with a chameleon, setting like the stage for this play in his tank 
with all of these inanimate objects that he perceives as characters. So there's the the wind up fish. Mm-hmm. There's the Mr. Timis. <laughs> the upper half of this model with a missing arm and no head. Yep. There's the palm tree. There's a dead <laughs> like mosquito yep. in the water. Yeah. And he's acting like he's like such a thespian. <laughs> it is so fucking funny. And it's such a great introduction like to the character and to, to, to like this is the kind of story that you're, you know, that you're getting into. And not, not only that, but you're getting yourself into a story because yeah. it's so self-referential and being like, that's what we need. Our character has to, you know, we need a, a singular instant where yeah. the character is propelled into conflict. And then that's when he like falls out of the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. You like, they let you know right away what you're getting into. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, even like, it, it, right away from the beginning, like they go ham with the the animation. Like I, I, I was like watching. I was like, they're, they're in a tank, and it's only him. But like the way they use his tail, the way they accentuate like his his like mannerisms, like physically, are, are so interesting and so like immediately drawing in that like you're you're hooked from the beginning and you're ready to go. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love when he's like, you know. Uh, you know, Mr. Tree, you were wooden. Mr. Yeah, yes, I was thinking that the whole time we were talking. I was looking for a place to throw that in. Thank God you did. <laughs> but I, I love even yeah, more. I'll say it. You were wooden. But it's even better when he's when he's like, Mr. Timmis, you were good. A little too a little good. Too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just floating there. Yeah. Oh my God. I should also mention this movie is, it's, 2D animation. Yeah. Fun fact, not 3D. Um, kind of this halfway point, but it, it does feel like it's filmed like a movie. You know, the mm-hmm. animation, they, they do a good job of hiding a lot of the, um, lim- the, the limited uh, human characters in, you know, in the movie. So, like, well, we'll talk about the Spirit of the West scene a little bit, but, like, <laughs> the only real humans you see, you see the back of people in cars, and then there's... Um, Raul Duke and yeah. um, Hunter S. Thompson, which is the you know obvious um, homage to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he's flying out of the flying out of the car. Um, <laughs> Fire scene, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh my but goodness! All of the all of the animal characters, like right off the get go, like when they're immersed in this, they are able to hide it in the scenery of like the desert and the road and the town. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's animated, but it, looks real like there's so much fine detail everything feels lived in because of how rustic the whole setting is it's actually good i mean usually setting a lot of movies in the desert not necessarily the best idea (laughs) but here it works because the the animals and the lizards most of them are like most of them are like bugs yeah they're like bugs they're lizards they're amphibians they look they have such a distinct color Mm -hmm. to them which is why rango pops because he's so green yeah um but everything looks real you know there's yeah. so much there's textures there's there's grooves there's scales there's fur there's whiskers there's anything that everything feels so like almost uncanny like it's yeah. kind of wild even further like the, all of their physicalities are so like accentuating of just that like the, the, it feels like they're trying to let you know like look how hard we looked at work look how hard we worked on like the, the these characters and, and these like and the way we're going to show you this story because it's important. Like when Rango first gets into the town and he's like, all right, I got to blend in. And he starts like 
like copying different like walking <laughs> styles and it's just showing us like how cool they've like animated these like just wild animals like mm-hmm. the, the cockroach that walks like kata kata yeah <laughs> like it's just so interesting and, and that the the spider that makes the coffins mm-hmm. oh my gosh like what a cool animation and it's it's just like it looks like a spider but it also looks like like the the, the shadiest dude you've ever met and yeah. he's just making like a coffin with all eight arms it's absurd it's, it's wild. the weird like hint of steampunk that they oh yeah in this movie you know and, and and that is like almost a visual gag like that's just an insert shot and you're just like oh okay that's creepy and then they never reference that character (laughs) ever again um and yeah so he like goes west and finds this town of dirt he also meets beans played Mm -hmm. beautifully um by the fisher her her accent and her performance in this is so good Mm -hmm. um so funny Mm -hmm. like it's it's not like just twang it's super assertive like that's each of these each animal is its own character like has their own distinct voice. No one really gets lost in the background. Everyone like they feel like real characters, which is totally. really, which is really amazing that they were able to do that because like I said, everyone has their own voice. People, some characters you could tell are almost modeled after others. Like yeah. there's that one, I think the Jack rabbit, he almost looks like Jeff Foxworthy with his like <laughs> giant mustache that like yeah. goes over his mouth. Um, and they each have, you know, their own different voice and beans has this, you know this uh defense mechanism where she like freezes and then comes yeah. back in the you know middle of the the conversation i love their first um you know introduction where um because <laughs> rango's like my name's beans uh my uh my daddy fancy uh fancy beans he's like oh well but um well you're lucky he didn't love uh he didn't plump love asparagus yeah. like, oh i bet you wouldn't be too appreciative of the moniker like that's the thing about the dialogue the dialogue is so like polysyllabic and is just such a word mouthful but it is vibrant like it's like yeah, it, it makes you feel alive that's it why never st- feels that way it never feels like they're they're this is like a weird sentence they've just said like moniker is not a, a, a an often used word but I, I remember vividly the moment johnny depp said it and i was like johnny depp that's your word you can say it as much as yeah. you want <laughs> like yeah he himself like says so many like elaborate things and mm-hmm. you know beans is able to pack in like she's able to talk like really 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 fast like that's a yeah. good that's a good pairing of the, the two of them um and she's also like uh she has agency you know she has a reason for setting the story in motion and she kind mm-hmm. of calls the bluff on rango um and it's like oh yeah Rango, your real name, you know, like she's like totally suspicious of, and you know, even when they're going down into the hole in mm-hmm. the um in the bank, Rango's like, whoa, whoa, this ain't no. And she just grabs the torch and jumps right down. Yeah, like fuck yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good character writing. No, for real, for real. Mm-hmm. There's also one one funny line. It actually might be the best line in the movie that is in the opening scene that I, I'm kind of upset that I didn't mention earlier. It's uh-huh. when Rango's going through all the different personalities. He's like, oh, I could be a parrot on the high seas, the mechanical arm, and like fights back. <laughs> and then he's like, or oh, I could be the most sensual Latin lover. And then he walks over to uh, <laughs> the body and he's like, ah, I couldn't help but noticing you, noticing me, noticing you. Like, that is... <laughs> I I every chance I get to use that line, 
I will take it. That is just an <laughs> incredible line of dialogue that like you just wait years to be able to like because realistically it doesn't make any sense, but like yeah. it's just so goofy and he says it with such uh such seriousness in mm-hmm. the the role that he's creating yeah. in that moment that it is so perfect like <laughs> he grabs and it's the also, guitar and yeah like, yeah he grabs the guitar like he's just clearly making fun of you know uh every you know romantic stereotype in that point oh, yeah. cuz rango's a character who's seen like way too many movies mm-hmm. i i just i love that line and i would be remiss if i didn't mention it totally totally <laughs> <laughs> To the point of the guitar, though, this is also like about like the character design and animals. The like m- the owl mariachi band mm-hmm. Greek chorus that like are playing instruments and they're like moving the feathers into like actual chords. It's absurd. It's so the attention to detail is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, that that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought them up because it's also weird that like that this movie plays into a lot of old classic Hollywood tropes, especially mm-hmm. in the Western hero's journey. But this is like one the one thing that's cool about this is that they keep it fresh and they still add stuff to it by making it its own story. Like the fact that even the narrators, because the whole time, like I mean, obviously, like they're the ones telling the story, mm-hmm. um, and they're like, you know, and so the the lizard walks to his own to his impending doom yeah you know, the whole like, time they're like he's gonna die but then when he like is at his low point gets kicked out of the town they're like oh shit like they're like kind of hurt by it they're like yeah damn i did not expect this and he like yep, yep, yep. closes the guitar like that's heartbreaking he like puts yeah. his guitar away <laughs> like Oh, dude! I couldn't believe it. I was I didn't actually realize that before I was like, yeah, even the narrators like when you stoop the narrator like, <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness, it's it is great. Yeah, and you're right. The way that they, you know, model like having them do like actual chords. My favorite moment of them is when is after like when they're um, looking for clues and Rango goes, we ride. And the band doesn't do anything. He's like, that means we're riding now this moment. <laughs> and they start playing. And the music's great. You know, the whole the whole score is like very, Phenomenal. you know, kind of Latin influence and has yeah. like it, it does feel like it is played by a mariachi band. Totally. Then there's like a transition scene. Yes, where the, guitar, <laughs> the electric like, guitar. I have it in my notes. I was like the electric blue electric guitar question mark fire period. Yeah. That's what yeah. I have written in my it's notes. Such a great moment because it actually because it, it doesn't go on for too long. It's literally nope. like two bars. Yep. Like and then they ride past. And as he's standing there. He even like coughs as the derbs. It's just like, (laughs) 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 like my favorite part of music in this whole movie was in that moment. I was, I was in love with it. Um, you're kind of good at these voices. You're oh. like kind of killing them. I'm like, <laughs> damn, I watched the movie this morning again and you're like matching them perfectly. It's absurd. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so like the whole thing with this town, this is where we, cause this this is a movie for movie lovers. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is one thing that I really love about this movie is that it was clearly made by people who are obsessed with movies. Um, it's obviously set in an old West town. So there is you know, tons of visual homages and story homages to um, classic old Westerns of the Sergio Leone period, like, um, you know, the name with no name trilogy you know, fistful of dollars um the, the good the bad and the ugly um we mentioned fear and loathing in las vegas once upon a time in the west even raising arizona but the whole story um owes 
you know, is is a total homage and kind of not reevaluation, but reuse and watered down, ironic because this movie is about water, watered down version of the story in Chinatown. Um, and which excites me because Chinatown is one of my favorites. Um, and honestly, maybe the greatest movie ever made. But when we do <laughs> when we do the Chinatown podcast, we'll, we'll talk about that. I can't um, wait for it. Have you seen Chinatown by chance? I actually haven't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, like the story in that movie is way more complicated than this movie, but it is about the water wars in L.A. Someone's dumping water from the reservoir at night and the whole city's supposed to be in the middle of a drought. And so they take that and then they put it in this movie Mm -hmm. where it's the same thing. They're dumping water at night. We know because Rango gets caught up in it when Mm -hmm. he's when he's dreaming. Um, And, you know, the whole town is uh, the whole water supply is. As Rango says, you folks have a water problem. (laughs) Um, And they keep it all in this giant, like, fucking, um, like, Shemung water company bottle. And it's, like, up to, like, six days or something like that. And the whole town is obviously um, suffering because Mm. of it. Um, And I I think that that... I mean, we only... It's easier for us to kind of relate to it because we saw it as... um, in like uh, in our late teens, like we, when yeah. we were like much older, but like as a kid, like that's not an easy thing to grasp onto. And I think no. that that can be like a fault of this movie is that like it is a movie that is so mature. And I always tip my hat to like anime movies that want to take a more mature route. But because the story is still complicated for a for a kid to like follow. Yeah. And there's a lot of jokes that go like way over your head i can see how some kids would not be as turned on in this movie now as they would be maybe later totally do do you know what i mean like do you agree yeah i totally do and um i mean another reason i think for that is is like it's very like mature and unique art style it's it's it it takes the time to separate itself from the energy of other um animated movies and in doing so like i mean it sets up a wall and especially as a kid that wall is uh, is as easy as like we were talking about hoodwink before the episode start started and how like just like ugly it is mm-hmm. like <laughs> and like i mean that was a turnoff for me as a kid i never watched hoodwink um as like a kid kid because i was like it looks so bad why would i watch it yeah like um and then i watched it like in high school and enjoyed it and then i watched it again recently and hated it so i guess <laughs> i mean it, it doesn't even matter at this point but <laughs> Well, that's another movie that is very clearly like paying a lot of homage to a genre. Mm-hmm. Like that one is all about whodunits. Yeah. The problem with that movie is you know who did it. <laughs> like, you know who does it. You basically know the whole story. Yeah. B- like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Like yep, you can yep. easily figure it out. Mm-hmm. This movie is not necessarily a mystery. Like you, you can kind of surmise like that the mayor is evil and rattlesnake Jake is probably behind it. But (laughs) even then the way that the movie ends and how it connects with the actual journey of Rango Mm -hmm. is still surprising. Like I saw myself like last night I was even like, Oh wait, that's how this movie ends. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like it still feels fresh. Like I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The whole, the whole like theme of legends that they talk about at the end, especially Mm -hmm. it, it just like, it's so cool. Since like all of like westerns are just like legends, like they're yeah. not like real, and like they really really tip their hat to that at the very end by like p- 
put giving giving the space for legends to take space in reality, which is so cool. I think that's one thing that I really love about the Western in and of itself, or just mm-hmm. like the setting of the old West. I mean, it's obviously very easy for us to romanticize the past yeah. um, and not focus on things like fucking like no modern medicine you know mm-hmm. they would saw your leg off if you like scratched it on a fence or something like that um but <laughs> uh i i think that it is kind of the era where legends were born you know mm-hmm. the earliest forms of storytelling were like oh there was this guy he came into town and he saved us all and that gets passed down you know through generation to generation and you know it's it is easy to romanticize that for like from a storytelling perspective, you know, totally. that's kind of how your earliest, you know, memories of storytelling come in. One thing I really love is that not only do they show like how these, how this town is struggling and everyday problems that they go through, especially with the Hawk, you yeah. know, coming in, but everyone in the town is also smart. Like, yes, they believe Rango, but they in, like by the, like generally speaking are smarter than he is. Rango is totally. an idiot. Like yeah. <laughs> Rango, Rango is dumb. He's naive. Yeah. He doesn't like when the, I love when the, when the, um, what are the, the when the prairie dogs come up yeah. <laughs> and the one old guy who's like blind, he's like, does he look like he sounds? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, Oh <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, prospect and permit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if we were to, uh, you know, deposit some stuff from Prospect, where would we like to go? Like, oh, we got the finest bank in the area, right? Over there. <laughs> like, god damn, so dude. But like, Priscilla is like, oh yeah, you know, new people don't last that long around here. Um, great Abigail Breslin performance. Oh yeah, Priscilla, love her. Um, but that's so great to see because like. You know, I, I feel I feel like it's pretty easy to kind of for for the characters in the town to just get lost mm-hmm. in the background, but they feel so alive oh, because totally. they because he is so different and the town is connected. Like everyone mm-hmm. in the town is like together. Yeah. And that gives it a sense of community, which I love. Yeah, totally. Um like the the turtle talks about like he, he walks up like the first time we meet the mayor, he's like, uh, I mean, look at my friends, look at my town, look at my family. Um, the only thing keeping them going is the belief that um, there's a better future coming, um, which I mean I think was one of like the most beautiful sentiments. Because later on we see spoons like to put down the spoons and grab everybody's hands and pray and thank like the spirit of the West for sending the Rango. And it's one of the most heartbreaking parts of the movie, even though like spoons has said like eight words, this movie, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden he's just like crying and is like, thank you for sending us Rango. We needed somebody who was brave and you gave us somebody who was brave. And I'm, I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I found a human spinal cord, in my fecal matter once. <laughs> I think you need to get that checked out. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, good uh, shit yeah and, and the, the doctor the, mm-hmm. the rabbit with the missing eye who's like an alcoholic doctor the first time we meet him he's just passed out on the bar like so like what an interesting detail to give yeah like to like this character that says like three lines but mm-hmm. it's just so world building and it, it, it cares so much about each of these individual like quote-unquote background characters it's it's so beautiful yeah i, I yeah i i I totally agree. Um, I love the first bar scene that Rango goes like this. It may be the best scene in the movie Uh, because of how fucking funny and electric (laughs) it is. It is like from the get go. It's kind of the, you know, the classic, like 
walks in, everything stops, turns and look at Rango because he's the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Just kind of strolls up to the bar and it's like i'll have a glass of water and everyone just busts out laughing yeah but the one the one guy's like he wants a glass of water (laughs) it's like so obnoxious it's so and the doctor is like make it a double and like falls back on you know cactus juice that's yeah. what we got. Um, and then the mosquito, like, or the fly tries to drink, like, a, a drop of cactus juice and dies, and its eye pops out. Yeah, of its, its socket, eye pops and out. And it just yeah. starts buzzing. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so grotesque. <laughs> yeah, and he, like, you know, Rango takes, like, a sip of it and then just, like, straightens out, like, just kind of jinks like yeah. that. And he's just like, <laughs> When he eats the cigar and oh then takes God. the shot and then burps fire onto the alligator crocodile dude, how crazy! It was like he was like, "I'm gonna eat your cigar," and then he starts tapping on the table because he's like, "I need, I need something to drink." Yeah, it's that's so also funny. after he's told the town like that he's like super tough and yeah. he's killed the whole Jenkins brothers. With you one know? Bullet. One bullet. Except kills. for the last one who died from infection. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then he just does that because he's like, yeah. oh, I got to up it. Um, <laughs> but he's telling, you know, he's telling this story. He's like, you know, uh, uh, fucking Spoons comes up behind him and he's like, you missing your mommy's mangoes? He's like, as a matter of fact, I am. And you see this change in him because he has that great moment, like that soliloquy in the, in the mirror where he's like, who am I? I could be anybody. He looks at the bottle, you know, and, and, you know, he turns on spoons and he's like, as a matter of fact, I am not as much as your daddy's cooking. Like it's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the scene is he's like, you know, we'd kill a man before dinner just, uh, just to work up an appetite. Then we salt him, pepper him. Then we like graze him in deep fried butter. And then we eat him. The guy's like looking at it. He's like, you eat him? And Rango just goes, that's what I said! <laughs> snaps on him. <laughs> he goes so crazy! He, he goes like, so crazy! It's the most, like... Johnny Depp is a clown in this movie. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. an absolute, like, jester. He's a, amazing. Like, having it be where it, this yelling is not overpowering, it's, like, comedic, like, because yeah. of, like... He's doing this like Pee Wee Herman almost thing, or he's like, "That's what I said." Like it's like gra- like gargly. It's just <laughs> it is a it is a brilliant character introduction oh, yeah. or like character moment because he has the the switch and totally. And it, you know, I struggle to say it's the best scene in the movie because like after that, you would think that every scene goes down, but it it honestly doesn't. Like it's, no, it it keeps up that energy. Oh like, yeah. Um, the hot oh, fight. Oh my god, yeah. So, oh, first of all, let's talk about the fact that the hawk had like a a metal like cowboy boot uh like covering for its beak. Mm-hmm. How sick is that? Like yeah. like a holster for its beak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fire. And then just like that whole scene is filled with so much like character for both the hawk and the like Rango himself as they're like chasing each other through town. Uh and then he fucking Sorry, the licorice. Yes, in the in the the vending machine when he's just in the thing and has like red stripes along him as he tries to blend in. The only time he kind of like somewhat effectively blends in (laughs) is in that moment. And yeah, the whole 
like you think people in the town well there's already so much good build up to it like you know um the hawk comes in looks and notices that he's in the the outhouse which is a little pepto pepto uh, bottle and you know the hawk starts to walk and then fucking (laughs) um one of the um, one townsperson starts to come out because his hat is in the middle of the <laughs> middle of the road, yeah. and then the hawk just looks at him. And he's like, oh, "Oh, never mind," and then just yeah, like, he's, like, he's like, "I don't need that right now." Yeah. This is the, like, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rango's running with toilet paper streaming behind him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so funny. Which is a great like sto- like great scene device of like you can always follow him, and mm-hmm. there's always something like he's. Because we already had a scene of him running from the hawk mm-hmm. in the desert. And now, you know, we have him just something is always following him. And, you know, the the hawk should absolutely just annihilate him. There's no reason why he wouldn't. Um, and he uses the like the red vines to like climb out of the, the vending machine, just <laughs> destroying so cool. this town. Yeah. Um, but like. They, you get, you also just get a good sense of the town, like where everything is, and he's yeah. like, he runs through like every single building, and like in between the alleyways and up yeah. and around, like in the middle of town, um, and then drops the soil tanker on him with one, like that hawk is, I mean, he said this hawk is dead, he's like he's feeling the talons for a yeah. heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my favorite parts of that chase is um, Ranger's just going in a circle at one point, and we get like the the view from inside the windows with the rest of the townspeople, and he's going in the circle, and the hawk is chasing him, and from their perspective, he's chasing the hawk down, <laughs> and they're like, he's chasing the hawk, and you're like, ah, <laughs> and then it cuts to him just going, ah. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. You, you you have to question during that scene where it's like, how is the town still on Rango's side yeah. after that? And you have to have the moment where they're like, just to change perspective, where they're like, oh, yeah, he's getting them. <laughs> you know, he's getting good. Um, and, you know, it's just basically pure luck that he gets by oh, you know, yeah. getting the uh, the one bullet to shoot basically this whole tower down. Yeah. Um, and then he's basically, you know, on his on their whole side after that. And, oh, yeah. you know, just having this overtly confident, eccentrically dressed chameleon just like walking <laughs> around town causing more trouble is like so funny because like, you know, he think again, not only with the prospector thing, but when he's walking by the bar and like yeah. Gordy comes out and he's like, hey, yes. you get back in there, Gordy. You know, you you tell him, like, I'm sure you'll find that these people are, you know, quite nice. He's like, yeah, sure thing, Sheriff. But you hear from the inside, like, oh, you again. <laughs> like, and he's like, I stand corrected. And he's yeah. walking and it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, it, even in the scene, like when he's getting fitted. For his, for his, like, uh, uh, he's like, uh, hey, beans, I got a, I got a 10 gallon hat marked down from 15. (laughs) (laughs) And someone comes up from behind him and says, excuse me, Sheriff Rango. And he whips out his gun and points at this child's face. He's like, I will shoot the ugly right (laughs) off your face. And then he just asks him for an autograph. Yeah. And he signs like, he signs like a Bible. Yeah. Like, what? What is happening in this movie? Oh, my God. See, th- again, that's why it's so fun to see, like, those little details that they had to put it. Because the movie is so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just 
firing jokes at you left and right. Yeah. And the story too, like the movie is so well paced because of how like constantly like constant it is. It's not just focused on action. It's even kind of cool when they're like going under the town to yeah. look at the, like to follow the water pipe. The Lord of the Rings sequence. Yeah. It's so cool. That's all Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And Oh my goodness. Which is cool because they don't do all of these things like the Chinatown story, you know, like Ned Beatty is playing this like John Huston's character <laughs> yeah. in um, in Chinatown and just everything about that. But it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they don't do it. It's not because they, they add so much to it. They said it, they said it with animals. It's a kid's mm-hmm. movie. They, you know, make it be this kind of Western adventure, mm-hmm. you know, with a lots of good action scenes too. Dude. They add in their own chase sequences. It's mainly chase sequences. Yeah. And then a couple good, standoffs yeah yeah we need, we need to we need to talk about those in a sec okay let's <laughs> let's let's get into it the, yeah. the the standoffs are just out of control oh like, dude the fucking zombie gopher sequence yeah when they they get to the family and they're like uh they what was it oh my goodness it's like madame lupon something troop of the thespians <laughs> yeah something. traveling thespians traveling <laughs> thespians and it they seems like they're thespians side. i thought that's illegal in seven states and then one of the characters like acts like he forgets his lines he's like uh um what is the, what do they say when it's like put your hand oh up. yeah he's like he's um like, reach for the uh, <laughs> Sky, and then they pull they all pull out their guns, and then he's like the whole family, and then the entire just like whole like canyon gets filled with these like rodents that are crawling from the ground like zombies with guns and knives only to start the most action-packed sequence like ever but one of my favorite lines in that scene is i mean i love that they just do the story from the beginning oh yeah again but beans is like she's like oh please come save me (laughs) like so uninvested she's like i can't believe i'm fucking doing this and like and then the one guy who has a an arrow through his eye and is like uh, the, you know, young Malvolio struck by Cupid. <laughs> great struck fucking joke. Cupid. Fucking great oh. joke. Yeah, that that whole sequence is 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 bonkers. It's like, absurd. It's, it's literally like hundreds, hundreds of gophers and bats. And bats. They're them. like they're riding bats as their form of yeah. aerial warfare. How cool is that? Yeah, and they're playing Ride of the Valkyries. Uh huh. Just like. All you know, just all about you know uh, apocalypse now, oh, yeah. and just oh, another yeah. reference that they could squeeze in. Um, but they use it as like the full length of the song, so it's like you almost hear new sections of it that you kind of forgot about. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and you know, it's like yeah, they're just going through this canyon, and because like the these gophers, I guess is what they are. Yeah. Um, are uh, they took the town? They took the town's water. They, so they have the giant jug with them, which I find out is empty. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it just goes and goes and goes. And like, you know, they're shooting at each other. They're like they're like, guns. They're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like kicking each other off the, um, you know, off their horses. And just they just it keeps going. It like doesn't stop. And it's at like crazy point- because like it's almost so but you also just see everything so clearly. Yeah. It's not a bad action scene because like everything is so crisp and clear and the way they've made sure the shots are smooth and are timed just right. You don't get bogged down by shaky cam or quick cut mm-hmm. editing. 
Like this no, is an no, animated no. movie. <laughs> yeah, for real. And like, I, I want to like go back to what you said about like how you see everything. Because for literally like three seconds, in, or probably less, in one point, the toad is just hanging off the wagon and has a shotgun in one hand and his arm on the other and is shooting the shotgun, throwing it 360 to reload it and shooting it again. And it's just like this and it's like the the shortest frame, but it's so fucking cool. And it's so like, it's so illustrative of how like, how action packed the sequences. At one point a gopher like lands on the top and pulls out two knives for a knife fight, like Mm -hmm. wild. Yeah. Just crazy. But it also makes sense within the story, right? It's not like, totally. oh, we're just going to do an action scene to do an action scene, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, they pissed off this family. It makes total sense that there would be hundreds of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, you get another story beat and realize that the jug was empty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there wasn't actually anything in the bank. Yep. That the one gopher just like found that jug in the desert and was trying to tell them that when they first arrived, when, yeah. they, when they, you know, strung yeah, it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's cool because then it's like, oh, okay, the mystery, mystery thing is like we found something out. And then that gives them like a good like, oh, shit, we're both getting gypped. And then they have like a good relationship later so they can come back and form the the bird in the final sequence. Like that's good. It's good payoff because it comes back. It's not just like. It's not like if, if they if that whole family if that whole if all of those like gophers just completely disappeared the movie would have been very different. Yeah, like I feel like sure. it would have almost been like wasted. Like it probably yeah. if, if if that sequence still existed, it obviously would still look cool. Totally. But for the rest of the story, they would just it it would feel weird. Yeah, it's just like why don't you bring them back? Like totally. You've already established them as clear characters in the story. Mm-hmm. You they just structure it so well. Yeah, and it's so what a cool idea to like construct a bat i mean a a hawk like a hawk shadow out of like just like so many bats flying in tight formation only to have jake the rattlesnake which is rattlesnake jake what a cool name oh my god Um, yeah but only to have this like snake realize by looking in a window and seeing one of the bats like tether off and then just go ham with his fucking gatling gun rattle whatever and yeah. just start shooting at all of them it's so crazy part yeah. two of like a crazy action sequence yeah i the introduction to rattlesnake jake is great because they come back and they arrest the gophers and they're like no mm-hmm. one's hanging while i'm here and you know if you want to believe in something believe in me mm-hmm. as long as that sign is standing we still got hope you know we still got a town and then all the bullets they just riddle it you know um and who appears but rattlesnake jake there's only two incidents i think when the animation doesn't hold up as well it's only two and this is one of them when rattlesnake jake the camera pans to him and he kind of slithers in and then it goes around him Mm-hmm. It kind of it was a little noticeable, just a little bit. It's kind of nitpicky, yeah. but Bill Nye as Rattlesnake Jake is terrific, and it's a great it's reunion so between good. him and Depp because yep. they were in the Pirates movies together. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and he's like almost unrecognizable because like the way that he does his voice, he has this like deeper, lower register. He puts the Southern charm, you know, he's like, get out of my town. You know, it's like yeah. a really, really cool, rough voice. And you can tell like 
you know, the legend is true. Like Rattlesnake Jake, when he like, because they because they mentioned like before when they're going to do the whole you know water dance thing or whatever, yeah, which um, we need to talk about. Yeah, we'll circle around. We'll circle around to it in a second. Yeah. But um, you know, they say or Priscilla's like, you know, Rattlesnake Jake, he he'll, he's come. He'll, he'll kill you tomorrow. Can I have your boots when you're dead? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's a good like. You, it's another thing where you almost forget about it because he yeah. also says like, you know, rattlesnake Jake is uh, my brother, but yeah. you're a, but you're a lizard and he's a snake. Uh, my mother had a very active social life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when when rattle when rattlesnake Jake comes in, he is like, "How you doing, brother? How you been keeping?" And yeah. it's like, it like first of all, cool biblical reference, but second of all, just like like the 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 confidence and power that rattlesnake jake enters the movie with Mm -hmm. is like like, it's tangible it's palpable yeah you you know as soon as he comes in he owns the town now yeah like you know he he's and then again seeing rango walk away because he's been you know been found out Mm -hmm. is heartbreaking because you're like oh damn it's such a i mean it's not like we don't know that we don't think he's gonna come back like obviously he is but like it's so well done because you know it fits into the theme where everyone's just like, who are you? And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nobody. And yeah. that's when we get the meeting of um, the spirit of the West too, um, which is a great scene. This is the other instance of like iffy animation, in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> all of the animals look great, but this guy kind of looks like a red dead redemption character. Like, he, yeah, yeah, I get kinda, that. Kind of video gamey, you know, totally. and and they they do like again they they do do a good job of sparing the human characters. There's only one for that like visual reference, mm-hmm. but this one is like it's a character, like yeah. a full on character, and it's obviously you know it's the spirit of the real west. He has golden statues guard him, and uh, he drives a you know a some something chariot, and it's a Am it's clit- yeah, a yeah okay you got it you got it so yeah no it's it's a, it's a yeah. It's Clint Eastwood yep. with in a in a golf cart with Oscars. With the, Oscars. Just the idea <laughs> of Clint Eastwood dressed as his character from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, yep. driving a golf cart in the desert with <laughs> all of his Academy Awards. Like, I don't even know. That's a level of life that I can't even. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right. He's doing good. Yep. That's what he does. Like, that's awesome. Oh my um, goodness. But it's good because, again, the legend of the Spirit of the West is something that kept getting built up, similar to Rattlesnake Jake. Like, they mention him, but because the rest of the story is so engaging, you almost forget about him. Mm-hmm. So when both of those characters show up almost, like, back-to-back, yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, oh, wait, oh, oh yeah, there he is! Yeah. You know? <laughs> also, I am just such a bitch for surrealism. And, like, the dream sequence in the beginning and the weird almost dream sequence that you then realize is just real life um, Mm -hmm. at the end. Just so cool. Just such interesting ways of expanding on this, like, theme of, like, identity and, like, who are you and, like, relationship to, like, the idea of identity in an external sense but looking through it, like, through an internal lens. Yeah. So fucking cool. Like, in the first dream, when Mr. Timmis just swims on and goes... Where are your friends now? In yeah. the voice of the of the armadillo. Yeah, like absurd, but also like the most powerful thing that it could have been for this yeah. character at that time, which mm-hmm. is so awesome to see. It is super surreal. I mean, the movie yeah. is very weird. Yeah, the movie mm-hmm. is strange. Um, and in like in a in a good way. I love yeah. surrealism too. So seeing yeah, that yeah. sequence is great. And 
and it's almost surreal because of how self-referential it is because mm-hmm. of how how many homages there are to just movies and the genre totally it, and it does it's not even and again I'll, I'll get to this a little later but it's it still feels warranted for this story you know yeah and and like you said when you when you get the whole big ending fight scene it's like it's warrant like it's built up it's yeah really like you know blows the lid off the place it's great you know totally this is also the first kids movie that i can remember hearing the word hell be used in like they say it twice you know yeah go to hell where do you think i come from like is such a good line yeah um and you know look in my eyes i want to see you die it's pretty dark (laughs) in a kid's movie yeah pretty dark and and you you just get this like really close up of rattlesnake jake's face and he's like his eyes are huge and like are fiery red like hell itself like what what a just like wild moment to put in a kid's movie you got killer in you i don't see it that's a great like put down line oh yeah but yeah no that whole sequence of um, when he finds the the pipe, it leads mm-hmm. to Vegas. So they're just in Nevada, like yep. this is where this movie takes place. Um, and you know they cut off the water, so that means they cut off the water to all of Las Vegas. Yeah, could you imagine <laughs> if that happened? Mass hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> they go out there, and it's just a bunch of cactuses that are dead standing around the <laughs> the fucking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it's great. And again, that comes because they mention, you know, they supposed to they um, they walk towards water, you know. Yeah. Um, and having the whole the like geyser through the city oh, yeah. shoot Jacob like right up into the air, and you know everyone's messing with him and. Uh, the the bird and you know getting they had to get you know jenny out or um beans out of the the bank and yep. it's just like oh my god there's so much going on yeah. but it's so well done and then the um, moment he's like he, he has to like reload like rango pulls it out and goes all i need is one bullet and then cut to like the mayor holding a gun up to beans and it's mm-hmm. like like all that was like like the biggest scene that like for the build-up is like the, the biggest scene that this movie has been building up to this whole time was just cut short with them being put in a tank and mm-hmm. like uh, the bad guys like winning until they did it. Right. But it's just wild. It's just like incredible subversion of expectation, <clears throat> incredible just the utilization of like um, framing and like plot devices in general. Well, <laughs> like, you don't even, you don't like they switch it on you. Right. So like you don't think, um, you forget that the mayor is in on stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just assume that Jake is the big bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then the mayor is really the bad guy because he's going to, he's turning it on Rattlesnake Jake. Yeah. And then he's like, I tip my hat to you. And then he kind of becomes on the good side and then yeah. he takes the turtle and then leaves town. Okay. That's a great way to end the story, to end that story. Like, you know, don't make it where it's, there's two bad guys and then they're just going to win, like turn one on the good side. Totally. And then have it like be used against the villain, you know, yeah, and really also, fuck up the villain's plan. The, the whole monologue about like, uh, you're just like Sheriff Rango. You're both legends, and there aren't any space for legends in the West. I'm trying to create, and then like the one bullet being the thing that has him tip his hat to him. Like again, just like this, 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 um, 
like love letter to the idea of like legends in in the the the, the westerns and like legends as they can exist today it's so cool oh yeah yeah absolutely um there's yeah there's also a lot of yeah like you said there's a lot of biblical stuff yeah especially we can start with the, oh, the whole let's, water. Let's get into it, dude. dude. Let's get into the, like the the most fantastic critique <laughs> of institutional religion that I have ever seen in my life, dude. <laughs> they have them slapping each other and dancing, and 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 then they hold up the fucking uh, what the sp uh, sp sp starts with an S. Uh, spigot. Spigot. They hold up the spigot, and it's just a cross shining in the sun, and and like they're just praying, and they're like hallelujah water and the entire time you're realizing like holy fuck dude it's just it's so so well like placed in the movie so well placed in like world building such a such a uh a, a, just again fantastic critique of, mm -hmm. of religion as like a, an institution um it, it's just oh oh my goodness yeah it, yeah. it, it has it like Echoes louder a few years later when Mad Max Fury Road is centered around this yeah. like titan of um, of water to peasants, and he does have the you know his Morton Joe has the the spigot. And it is it is yeah. very similar to that, but this movie obviously came before that. But yeah, they do basically this like rain dance, and and they don't realize in that moment that the mayor is the one who's running them dry. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it is kind of about who the people that we look up to, um, and what we idolize and again yeah. with legends and um you know and then that comes back around even with rango so like rango comes into town they they look up to him you know he's totally. the beacon of safety yeah. and while he does become that they know he's not really who he says he is yeah. so it that theme is not just in that scene it like kind of carries through which we could talk a little bit more about if you want to move to um analysis we can go to yeah i mean sure Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing I, I do really love is that this whole movie, I think it does kind of set out, like you said, to subvert expectations. Yeah. And it is kind of the thing that separates this movie from Chinatown is that it is um, more about identity. Mm -hmm. Like that's a good framing device for the old West and something that like everyone needs in that time, they need water. Um, and so it fits as a clear homage, but it works for the story. But then they bring in this other stuff of like, who are you? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be remembered as, you know? Yeah. And having, you know, each character, like, and even someone like beans, who's not really looking for personal identity, mm -hmm. but she's like, she wants her ranch to be prosperous because she wants that to, live on through her family yeah like that's how she wants to be remembered is like that land like she 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 also won't sell it off like you know there's that scene where she's in the uh in the mayor's office and she won't she won't give it up so i think yeah. that's a big thing that i kind of latched onto too is yeah the idea of not even just legends but legacy who you yeah. are and like how your story rings out totally even further with beans just her relationship to her father from the beginning to the end like um she gets like super defensive. She's like, my father was a great man. And everybody's like talking shit about him. And then at mm -hmm. the end, uh, he's like, come on beans, just sell us your father's burden and you can be free. And she throws this like beautiful cup of water at him and goes, my father was not a burden. And then it's the whole rattlesnake Jake, uh, death uh, sequence. But it's just like it, the beauty of like 
everybody's distinct relationship to something that gives them like that, 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 that strength to keep going, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be like family, whether it be legacy, whether it be, whether it be identity, whether it just be like a dream of a, of a new future, whether it be religion, whether it be like all of these cool things, alcohol for some of the people in the bar, like everybody's got the thing that like pushes them. And it's, mm-hmm. it's evident even for like the smallest of characters, which is so awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think just in terms of the idea of legends too, as you know, as storytellers, we, yeah. you know, have, we fixate on this as like earliest forms of storytelling. How do these stories get passed down? What makes that, what, what makes them stick? What makes mm-hmm. ones don't stick? Um, and you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier that I, I gave you a list of movies from 2011 animated yeah. movies um, for that matter. I just want to go through them on air. So I do it for my own sanity. Cool. Um, so Rango, obviously, and then there's Nomeo and Juliet, Mars Needs Moms. Adventures Mars of- Needs Moms! <laughs> <laughs> Who, that no one saw, that nearly ruined a studio. Oh um, my god, such a, a, such a strange movie. One of the biggest box office disasters <laughs> of all time. Adventures of Tintin, Rio, Puss in Boots, Cars 2, Kung Fu Panda 2, Happy Feet 2, and um, Hoodwinked 2. Um, a lot, lot of twos. Yeah, good there. year for sequels, I guess. Yeah, there's so there's only like a few original ones, and like, and Romeo and Juliet is like you know just a retread of <laughs> of Romeo and Juliet, like very similar to, uh, I guess, in concept that Rango's doing, but Romeo and Juliet does it very surface levelly, mm-hmm. and it's like not like it's just like, hey, why don't we do it because the, the the words rhyme, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a gnome and that's Romeo, you know, um, it's. But, you know, Rio um, is not very good. It's very forgettable. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of sequels. Cars 2. Blech. Um, Puss in Boots, I guess, is kind of a legend tale. But like, again, you, no, no one goes back to that one. People stick to Shrek or Shrek yeah. 2. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is one that I think keeps coming back around, not just because it's it's original, you know, yeah. it's, it is one story. It wasn't connected to, um, you know, anything else in terms of a franchise or, um, you know, as uh, a spinoff or any, anything like that. It was just, it's one singular story. Like mm-hmm. here it is. Yeah. And I think that that's an interesting position for it to be in as a movie about legacy and how things stick around. Yeah. Um, and, I don't really know if I necessarily have a full overarching point about that, but I, I, it is fun to see now 10 years later, which is a good time to do it. Happy 10 year anniversary to Rango. Um, it, it is fun to see how, you know, looking back as to what movies we still talk about. Now, do you think it's like the originality? Do you think it's the animation? Like, I think the story, just the way that the story is told is the thing that makes it so unique. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I, I want to look for for like a bigger spiritual sociological reason for why Rango is like the amazing movie that everybody should know it to be. Um, but I just think it's it's just it's so unique. It's just so unique, and and so much was put into it that like it's. It, I mean. It, it, it stands its ground as as the piece of art that it wants to be mm-hmm. um, and continues to do that. Yeah, it's 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 cool to see this have um, a continued like a, a, it, 
it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I will you know? say though, I will say though, uh, a critique that has to be said about it is um, the 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 like all the Native American jokes that are just uh-huh. awful, and the fact that like Johnny Depp just full on says a slur um, in, mm-hmm. in, in yeah. like yeah. a pun in the middle of it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. like. I mean, I mean, I guess is like a tip of the hat to Westerns because that's all they did, too. Uh, but I mean, maybe not the tip of the hat that the movie needed. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it is. It is one thing that did jump out to me is just like that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it's weird because, again, it's not something that like fully taints the movie watching no. experience for me. It's just something that we in 2020 socially conscious you know, mindset. We just totally. notice it. It does jump out. And um, even in the film, I mean, it, it, it sometimes it's done like satirically to mm-hmm. criticize people who are like, Oh my gosh, uh, native American traditions. Um, like at one point there's like a fruit and he's, and Rango's like, ah, this fruit must like help us spiritually. And he's like, it's just a laxative dude. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like, which I mean, I guess is, is a plus for the movie, but also, I mean, it's not always that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's just because again, like Rango's the one saying it. So like, he's the idiot. So it's like, yeah. obviously he's going to be, he's, he's just an ignorant character. Yep. yep um, yep. but the, even more so that, um, that character's position in the story doesn't really do a whole lot. No. Um, just kind he's just kind of there, but it's even worse. Like when you think about how just two years later, Johnny Depp portrays a native American character yeah, in the Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, a very yeah. strange, like um, parallelism to that. <laughs> um, but again, it's one of those things where it, it's weird characters, yeah. not in the movie that much. So it's not that big of a distraction of how, not good a character he is or like Mm -hmm. how someone could view it as insensitive yeah but on the other side you know he's not in the movie that much and so it's more like just the the western southern white white caricatures you know yeah um but no it's it is it is important to bring that up uh but again i it doesn't fully taint the the watch yeah i totally agree i totally agree it's like it's, it's always a moment where i have to take a second and be like 2011. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Rango again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, it's, it's also not a movie that like panders to its audience, no. which is really interesting. Again, yeah. it's, uh, uh, I keep saying, you know, it's very self-aware and self-referential, but it's not the only time that I think it would necessarily pander to its audience is like, because again, the story is complicated and it is very, um, it's very layered. Like there are times where the characters are almost obligated to be like, Oh, this is what's happening. This is the information that we just found out and you guys need it right now. Mm -hmm. And because the dialogue is so quick, they're able to move past it and to make like a, like a good joke. So like there's a, there's a moment when they find the source of the pipe underneath during the Lord of the Rings section Uh where they're like, well, it seems that the pipe reached all the way from town back to this point and we don't know where it's going. It's like, well, yeah, we, we know that yeah literally what just happened but yeah, then it right. switches to you know rango's like oh okay everyone put their put their torches out and then the light shines through. so he like figured something out and now yeah. the story progresses um but there's like you know these little moments of like 
like summaries, like almost like there's the there's a moment like a story beat is just about to happen. Yeah. But it's like when you're reading and there's the abstract like right before. So yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. you know, this is what we're up to at this point. Now we can read on, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> it, it, it's a little distracting, but they move past it quickly. I think I think honestly, that's that's uh, that's that's a factor of it being a Nickelodeon movie mm-hmm. like. I think they realized at the end they were like, oh, shoot, we were supposed to make a kid's movie and this is not that. How is a kid supposed to keep up with this? And they're like, well, we help them here. Yeah. <laughs> we tell them that it happened and they know now so they can keep moving forward. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot else for um, analysis personally. Um, I think we touched on all the big major yeah. themes and the, the character. I mean, Rango basically follows in terms of a character arc the 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 basis of the hero's journey mm-hmm. um and i i personally don't get tired of you know seeing the hero's journey if it's done in an interesting way and Me i have really seen it in like animated western you know um movie lovers kind of way so i, I i'm okay with that i'm not totally. one who's like well it's the hero's journey it's so simple like what yeah. like, like it, it can still work you know yeah. if you do it if you do it the right way so that that doesn't bother me personally mm-hmm. um and I don't think there's any other huge character arcs in the movie. Unlike Chinatown, this movie does have a very happy ending and hopeful. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's all I had for themes or any uh, analysis. Did you have any, uh, anything else you wanted to bring up notes wise? Uh, I mean like the, the ego death at the end is really, is done in a really interesting way. Like with the roly polies taking him away, and like him realizing that the issue is like not that he wasn't who um, he was saying he was, but that he wasn't who he like wanted to be, mm-hmm. and like all he had to do was be the person that he wanted to be in order to like push every everything forward and be the person that he needed to be for them instead of for himself, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which was like. I don't know. I think it's, I always love moments like that in, in like in film and media. It's like, like get over yourself, you idiot. And then the yeah. character's like, Oh yeah, I am supposed to get over myself. I'll go forward. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I always love that. Like, mm-hmm. No, totally. And it is like, he doesn't lose anything, no. you know? He, I mean, he doesn't um, lose the fun, wacky, creative colorfulness that is Rango that we know from everything before in the story um but yeah it is about like he found really the courage to not only be who yeah be who he wanted to be but also do what was right Mm -hmm. um and go back and save the town and um you know talk to the the guinea uh, the the gophers and get them to be in on the plan and Mm -hmm. yeah he basically knew exactly what to do when he was getting the idea of i have to be the best person i can be it's like no you could just you just gotta, you gotta be somebody. Yeah. You, know, you just have to, um, you know, it's not about choosing the best version or like trying to achieve something that's like impossible. It's more yeah. just about, um, being true. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. Self identity again is the big, um, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Rango doesn't have a name until he decides his name is Rango. Right. Yeah. That is, yeah, yeah that, that is like, true. I, 
what would it, what I wonder what was his name? Like what, what would that family Beans, name him? Beans asked him what what like who he was, and he was just like, "Well, I'm a playwright, and I'm writing a musical, and I'm writing this these two one acts, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that." And it was one of the only men who has a, who has a maiden name. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. He was like, "I'm actually one of the only men with a maiden name," and then she yeah. was like, "All right, get out." And he was like, "Oh." Oh. oh, what was the other thing? Oh, he's like, I had a pseudonym, but I had it legally changed. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a pseudonym. Like, what? Like, yeah, what? That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so I think that uh, I think it's time to answer the big question. I think we've already kind of touched on it, but uh, I wanted to save my overall theory for the end. But here is the big question, Andrew. Why do you love Rango and how does it add to your love of movies? Well, I kind of touched upon this earlier, but I'll say it again because it's one of my favorite things as an artist. Just the heart of this movie is mm-hmm. so like it, like it, it oozes off of every moment and, and it resonates so, so, so thoroughly through every room this movie's played and it's absurd. Um, and, and that's just so filling to me as an artist because, I mean, I just I am I'm so obsessed with seeing people like just give themselves to projects. And this project feels like everybody who was a part of it was really given the space to give themselves fully. And, and, and that's just, that's just one of the most beautiful things ever. And that's, I think one, some of the most beautiful artists created. Um, and uh, how it contributes to the way to my relationship to movies in general <laughs> my house and I were actually kind of talking about this the other day. We were talking about um, we watched the movie Robots, um, mm-hmm. also a fantastic movie. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, that one um, holds up pretty well. I watched it a couple of years ago with some friends, and I was like, yeah. "This isn't the greatest thing in the world, but it's fun." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but w- what we realized was <laughs> a lot of animated movies are about classism, mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of them, and that was like not something that I'd like, I guess given myself the space to experience like animated movies as sociological um, analyses of the world to, to, to further a specific um, message or to further a specific, like um, social thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, animated movies are like the perfect vessel for that because of how dynamic they can be and how, how, how much freedom of of world they have to to really create the world that either they want to see or the world that they see that nobody else seems to be looking at to really like remove the gilded layer and show a world as it exists in its, in its fullness and the way it affects specific parts, specific characters in that world. And in a lot of times that's like, it has to do with class and money, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's also easy for them to like you, you you take a world that no one knows like mm-hmm. it, obviously it's wholly original and then you know make a rigid class structure and the and the, the good guy is from the lower class and then the bad guy is of the the higher class. There we go. Yeah. Um and yeah, that that's something that is like that's why that's why you need to watch Chinatown is because that is the whole point of that movie. Yeah. Um and is all about government and yeah, um and yeah, class and um uh, you know, untrustworthy higher yeah. ups and all of that. Dude, I and, can't wait. I can't uh, wait. Conspiracy and so, so yeah, I watched Chinatown again. We're gonna do it on the show at some point. It's, right. it's unbelievable. But all right, yeah, you do you do have you do make a good out. point. There is there are a lot of animated movies that do that. Yeah, I mean that was like the biggest thing that's like shifted my relationship to movies since watching this one. I think just like 
giving myself to the space to appreciate art in different mediums as um, intellectual art, <clears throat> no matter what medium it is. And mm-hmm. like, I, I've also like gone back and watched some like children's shows to like, just for my like self as like a director and as an actor to be able to like look and see and be like, how, how are these stories crafting messages and crafting lessons and crafting um, social thought for, for younger children? And then how are they doing it for, for the adults watching with the younger children? And then how is this film doing it for just adults? And how is this and this and this? And how, how does that whole range of um, uh, audience and like viewership affect the way that each individual form of media and art goes about trying to, to, to push forth its, its ideals and its um, lessons and it's all of that good old nom nom. <laughs> I haven't said that yet. This, I tried. I tried the whole podcast oh not to. But nom nom is in it, wow. and I'm, I apologize to everybody. But uh, um, that's that's really well said, and it, it kind of leads into my theory as well. And I was watching this, and again, I think that a lot of lesser movies, or okay, maybe not lesser. I think you should say lesser. <laughs> A lot of worse movies or a lot of other movies would make the worst decision in terms of paying homage to a lot of um, a lot of other movies and acknowledging the medium and mm-hmm. um, taking certain stories and bringing them into their own as a clear homage and, you know, all that. That happens in, you know, all movies. But yeah, in the wrong hands, I think this could have gone like really poorly and it could have been annoying totally. almost. But they chose specific story beats and story um attributes of characters and setting and obviously all of the, the plot yeah but they added something new to it you know they added um they made it they made it animated you know they made it um more heart mm-hmm. um you know they had a, there was a lot of soul in it yeah um and which is kind of been something that i've think i've been thinking a lot about in terms of the way that we talk about movies and talk mm-hmm. about just medium media in general and, you know, relationships to it in terms of conversationally. Yeah. And if, if, it, if you could boil it down, this is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say in conversation as someone who, you know, talks about movies endlessly, uh-huh. but has other interests, not just all, <laughs> but if you're talking to somebody and out of nowhere, Someone says to you, uh, hey, do you remember, uh, you know, the movie? Yeah. You know, the movie Rango? Well, actually, most of that movie is about is like taken from the plot of Chinatown and, you know, is like actually has a lot of reference and it doesn't have anything to do with what you're actually talking about. Yeah. And it is only there for someone to be like, oh, that's interesting. Please go on. Please tell me more interesting film facts that you have (laughs) at the top of your head for whatever reason, you know? Um, And if you translate that to movies and artistry, there are times in movies where people will just throw in a reference and it doesn't like, it's like, why? Yeah. Why is that there? Yeah. But I remember once I was working on a project that was kind of a play on like the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And someone said in the movie, um, and I did not write this. Um, <laughs> someone says in the movie, all right, whatever, Frankenstein. And the guy, the other actor goes, it's Frankenstein, which is just a annoyingly ridiculous, useless reference to young Frankenstein. Obviously. Yeah. 
Whereas in this movie, it does it to its advantage of being like, I think, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty easy to get away with it in some ways because, you know, no kid seeing this movie has seen Chinatown also. Yeah. Like, you know, and is able to follow Chinatown. Chinatown (laughs) is very difficult to follow. Um, But here it's, they, they'll take it and it'll be like, we can use this to our advantage, but we can also wrap it around in something new Mm -hmm. and we can use it to where it actually enhances the movie and it can separate it as opposed to just doing the hero's journey or just doing Chinatown again. Yeah, totally. So that has been my overall like thinking about like how this movie kind of illustrates that to a, you know, a good point of like bringing in references for a specific reason and bringing in art for a very other than just because so many movies and so many works will just be like, let's just do this because we can. And it's cool that we know this. Yeah. You know, it's such like, so beyond winking at the camera like yeah aren't we cool Uh, but like you're not actually doing anything with it like you're just doing it to do it this movie does it because it's fitting and they knew what they wanted to do so they don't even take from not even just chinatown and they don't if it if it was one thing where it was like it was a an animated movie that was all about like neo-noir like if it was just noir it would be one thing but this is like it's the West. It's got a lot of shoot like showdowns. There's high noon. There's Sergio Leone, like all of those. And it matches it all together. It makes it still feel like its own movie. Like mm-hmm. this is not a Chinatown ripoff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not a movie that was just like, Oh, this movie's just trying to be Chinatown. No, it's uh-huh. taking something from Chinatown and making its own thing, which again, there were so many like movies like, and even to kind of bring it back to Pulp Fiction, there were so many movies after Pulp Fiction that were just trying to be Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is, it's, it created something new. It yeah. was, it was actually valuable for them to do that. Totally. I love seeing that. Um, totally. So sorry, that was a very long explanation of what <laughs> no, I was trying no, to say. Vibes. But that's why I love I I, I love Rango. I <laughs> love Rango. Oh, what a good movie, dude. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much, Andrew. This yeah, was lovely. Of course. Yeah, this was sick, dude. Thank you for having me. That does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Huge thanks to Andrew again for coming on. As I said up top, this is a part of a series of episodes that we're doing leading up to the Labor Day weekend release of our brand new short film entitled Don't Be a Stranger. We have social media pages set up that you can follow on uh, Instagram at Don't Be a Stranger Film. You can use the hashtag Don't Be a Stranger Film. You can also check out our website, um, don'tbeastrangerfilm.com for all updates and behind the scenes stuff it was a blast making that movie and i really can't wait for you guys to see it when it comes out labor day weekend if you'd like more frankly i love movies content you can check us out on twitter at frankly podcast on instagram at frankly i love movies and you can follow me on letterboxd at big walls 21 for all recent movie reviews and finally come back in two weeks when i have uh, one of my lead actresses co-producers and co-writer julia black uh, and her friend Katie Fitzpatrick from the Playdate podcast on the show. We're going to be talking about Tommy Schlamy's Miss Fantastic. And I'm really excited because all three of us have never seen it, but we are talking again about theater because that movie is adapted from a play and it's going to be a lot of fun. So until then, I'm Josh Wall. And frankly, I love movies. <laughs>